0: How's it going? <laughs> oh my God, I had a crazy day. Um, there is a new law for European Union. So if you're driving the UK car in the Europe, you have to have a UK sticker on it. Traditionally, it used to be a GB sticker. And after Brexit, it's no longer valid. So I went to a mechanic to go and change the number plates and everything. I had a bunch of other issues with the car too. So
1: oh
0: no. <laughs> I got the number plates changed. So I was driving back happily for this call and then my number pit came loose and and it fell so there was no. a guy so I had to stop re- went back to the guy so well story grammar. Uh, Yikes.
1: Yeah, Wait so is this can you drive I've always wondered this can you drive a car from the UK if you take like a ferry or something over to mainland Europe and you just are on the opposite side of the car as everybody else and that you just make it work
0: yeah it's pretty common people do that a lot um, it's part of the it's part of the European driving thing um, no way. <laughs> the only thing it's, it's so weird because if you're driving in France you're on the other side driving on the other side so right. it's like it's like you're having a UK car driving in the US because US and France drive in the same side so it's always like interesting so you're on you're on the right side of the car.
1: Right. Yeah, I don't think I would I don't think I would thrive in that scenario. I think I'd I'd panic. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. Funny thing about cars is that like in the US, you guys don't want to use any roundabouts apparently, even though it saves a lot of lives and like you know, like there was a study that came out and said like, hey, nearly like fatalities can reduce by 80% by introducing wow. roundabouts uh, rather than traffic lights. In Europe, we are like Fed with roundabouts every nook and corner of the street, you know, like there's always yeah. a roundabout.
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah, Americans are very resistant to most things that make sense, but particularly roundabouts. They tried to do it several in my hometown, which is small. I mean, we're talking yeah. like maybe ten thousand people using, wow. like, living in this town. Really small. Um. And people hated them so much that they started treating them as stop signs. And then they would just drive through the middle of the roundabout, like over wow. where, there, where there should be like a garden or something. Yeah. It's just they've just like basically created a road out of it.
0: No way. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I found it very interesting because I drive in the US too. And when I did drive and I find that very interesting how you guys have the stop sign, like where you have to 100% stop, mm-hmm. right? That could be a roundabout, in my opinion. But, and I, I find route, people don't take roundabouts really well. Some expert drivers do, some people, they don't know what to do. So it's just like.
1: Yes. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> I live in Nashville, and Nashville is like just notoriously terrible for drivers because yeah. most people are not from here. We, a hundred new people move here every day. So we just have a lot of new folks, we have a lot of tourists. Wow. And a lot of the tourists who come to Nashville are coming from like rural parts of America. So you just put like all those things together and then you give them, I think we've got like two roundabouts in town and people lose their minds. Just like, absolutely. (laughs) Anyway, jealous of that part. Um, But yeah, the wrong side of the road. I don't think, I don't think I could do it. So
0: there's a, yeah, for me, I I love driving so I can suck it up, I guess.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm glad you got your car stuff taken care of this morning. I know that that kind of, for me at least, I will wait until the last moment and it just like withers and dies on my to-do list. Um, so good on you for not it out.
0: Here I am, I made it. <laughs> yes,
1: you made it. And this is a fun episode. I'm going to read a historical event that happened on This Week in Tech History. North Grand represents the most advanced coding system available today and is a forerunner of a
0: universal coding language towards which we are working. FORTRAN permits a user to write or prepare a program in a language which is closely related to that of mathematics.
1: This week the event is researchers run the first FORTRAN program. April 19, 1957 researchers ran the first FORTRAN program. Short for Formula Translator, I did not know that, Fortran allowed programmers to work in a high-level language, meaning it had a strong abstraction from the details of the computer itself. So we'll get into that, but it it essentially means, you know, like closer to natural language. So this is opposed to low-level, where functions and commands are more structurally similar to the processor. High-level languages are much more natural language-driven in nature than their predecessor. So Fortran has been used for over six decades com- in computationally intensive areas, such as numerical weather prediction. I did not know that finite yeah. element an- analysis, computational fluid dynamics, geophysics, computational physics, crystallography. Don't know what that is. And computational chemistry. These are just like side note. These are all subjects where if somebody studied them in college, I would be like, Cool, cool. we're <laughs> not the same. We are not the same it is a popular language for high performing computing and is used for programs that benchmark and rank the world's fastest supercomputers while fortran has been the basis for other languages throughout uh, throughout the years its own evolution has increased support for structured programming and processing of character based data array programming modular programming and generic programming high performance fortran Object-oriented programming, concurrent programming, native parallel computing capabilities.
0: That's a, a lot of information.
1: <laughs> it's a lot of information, but we have we have you here today because um, you can speak to some of this, yeah. and you can also speak to like as far as I remember my time at Gun.io over the last five years. I think I've seen maybe like one request for Fortran come through. What's your take? Like are you are you seeing there people still having an appetite for for any sort of Fortran knowledge or skill?
0: Yeah, Fortran is like a really interesting it has an interesting place right now in, in, in the world of tech at this moment, like twenty twenty three. Um mainly because Uh, the way Fortran is built it's still one of the fast performing programming languages in the world no way yeah which means it's faster than C++ hey I'm on the record right now but it is Um, so there are people um, especially scientists uh, who prefer Fortran and they write code in Fortran and execute them in supercomputers because of their calculations being too long and it's like like it's like a best programming language to do high performance computing for scientists very specifically around that area um so it's it has a lot of relevancy right now the high level is really cool because like a, being a being a scientist you don't want to know all the algorithmic you know patterns and all that stuff all you right. want to think about is like hey can i execute my theories and like in, in code and can i get it done faster and they tend to choose Fortran because of that reason, and there is no other programming language that can compete to that. So, if you're a scientist, probably you will understand why. Um, but if you're not a scientist, if you're a straight up pro- software engineer, probably Fortran might not be as extensive as you would like. You know, if you look at Python, for example, Python would have a lot more libraries you can play with ML, AI tools, you can integrate with ChatGPT, and all the new stuff. Whereas Fortran is like straight up uh, code uh, that you can run. And it's super fast, and it it can make use of all the CPU power in a supercomputer to get the results yeah. you want. So I think it's the motive is very different for Fortran versus. But there is demand, and people still use it, and and maybe not as a web developer, but definitely <laughs> a scientist.
1: <laughs> I'm curious. I mean, it's been seventy years, right? And we've had just incredible amounts of innovation. And I'm curious about your take about what it is about Fortran that has made it the benchmark for supercomputing? Is it the ease of use for scientists or just the raw speed? What do you think?
0: Yeah, there are a couple of features. I think you mentioned them quite a lot. Like, you know, the fact that it is out of the box in those years when it came out. um, Programmers wrote code directly into missions. So you need to write. So think about it. Mission's the way missions work, it's zeros and ones, right? So, um, and yes or no is the answer it's, is whether it's exist or don't exist, it's like a Boolean, it's a binary. So when people have to write code, they have to think about that mindset, um, whether you you do that. So when Fortran came out, it was the first high level. So it converts your regular code, like in like, you know, a human readable format kind of stuff into code, which is assembly that runs on the supercomputer but the way it's built it has its own strengths and weaknesses the strengths are like hey it's very opinionated it is you can't do a bunch of stuff like mm. you know you can't do like um for example pointers like the way you use pointers and c++ pointers is a way to kind of hold memory and say hey keep a hold on that number while i come back to you get back to you kind of thing so So, it's there are a bunch of other techniques which we use today. Fortran is very, very opinionated and like structured in that sense. So, the way Fortran is built that way makes it very um, structured for anybody who writes an average code in Fortran, trend to work faster than you can. You can use C and write a very rubbish code, and that could take a long time to execute. And it's your fault because you drive, you're, you're driving the code wrong. Whereas, if you write in Fortran, there's no way you can that Fortran like, like, you know, the generator would let you continue writing the code like that. So it'll mm. stop you. So basically, it's very opinionated and it's how it's run. So by nature of how you write your Fortran code, executes very fast. So there is no other alternative as good as Fortran. Fortran had so many iterations. There's a, I, I, I read somewhere there was an active community of people who are trying to bring Fortran back um, to kind of like to make it very current and like... Mm work today. So Fortran, I think, has that kind of leeway and it runs parallelly and it has all these cool benefits of running its its own way. It's a very opinionated way of doing it. Nobody has done it better than Fortran yet. So so for what it does, it does the job really well. And, right. and that's why it's really good.
1: Yeah, it speaks to the value of finding a niche, right? Yeah. I mean the other thing is, and you can tell me how true this is, but I believe that Fortran was kind of the the impetus for the if statement, which now it, like it feels so basic to programming. Oh yeah. When we think about the if statement today, like what do you think? What do you think the effect of Fortran in for introducing the if statement has had on programming as it exists today?
0: I challenge any programmer out there to write a program without. A <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. even me i mean i can't i can't make the, uh, a database yeah. without uh, yeah. an if statement
0: yeah exactly like there's nothing in today's uh conditions that we programs a bunch of rules right and and rules don't exist if if doesn't exist in if, right so right. so it's like it's like pun intended all right so but the thing is that like if it's such a a, a valid like a statement to be asking when you're writing a code and like, you know, you check a bunch of rules whether it's true or false. Again, it comes back to the same same thing, like the way programs thinks is like, whether it's true or false, you know? So if a condition is true, then proceed. If the condition is not true, it's don't proceed. That kind of like, um, like thought process has really like, like been in deep, like, you know, driven into so many programming languages today. So you can never run anything without a, a condition. Uh, in that sense. So, um, it comes back to like, even if you would take up a straight up calculator, like the, like, like me, like mechanical calculators or whatever, uh, they use something called AND gate and R gates. AND gates are nothing but if two statements are true, then uh, proceed. Uh, R gate is like either one of the statements are true. So, if you are learning basics of computer science, this, the AND gates and R gates are the ones that drives the rule. And having if statements in today's programming languages is such an influential. Game um, that Fortran has actually set forth for, so uh, you know there there's nothing that kind of like changes that right. Like so, it's so cool. Um, I I kudos to the creator of Fortran, like you know John, I think John something, but that guy is really cool. Working for IBM was lazy to write mission level code, wrote and created Fortran, um, being such a cool tool. So it's really fantastic.
1: Yeah. And I, I have the same question for you as it relates to natural language, right? Like there's there's some programming lang- languages today where it, it almost feels like it's not code, right? And of course, yeah. that, that's 70 years down the line and there's been a lot of innovation in the time between, but it's safe to say that progressively we've built on the foundations that Fortran laid as it relates to natural language and in programming languages. So I'm curious Like what's, what's your take on, on how Fortran kind of set the tone for the use of natural language and coding?
0: Again, kudos to John for creating something like this, because it's done a really good job in sense. Like, you know, you, you open a bench of creativity at that level, right? Like when you're, Creating abstraction, like even for kids, right? When you have a stencil, it's easier for them to be very creative and use the right colors and play with it. And and entry to barrier is very low when there's abstraction on the top. So making it as natural as possible helps all types of industries to depend on technology. And we see that a lot, even in gun and in everywhere, right? Like every single business would require technology. How are you getting doctors to write code? How are you getting, you know? faith to write code and like everybody <laughs> else to write code like so you know in, in order to do that like you need to create that level of natural language stuff and the history proves it like look at today's popular programming language forget javascript i know it's taken as number one because of the popularity of it just below that is python and python was fairly recent but what is cool about python when it came out is that you know it was super easy to learn and anybody who understands basic logic. You don't need to have any declarative stuff or anything like that. You can just write straight up Python code. It only takes a few days to learn Python and get coding, right? So it made it so easy, that abstraction and having it so natural, lets a lot of people to write code. And because of that adoption today, Python has the most vast library support in the world. So a lot of people can use ML stuff or AI stuff Mm -hmm. out of the box, like which, historically hasn't been possible. And this paves a new way for open source, a long, long time ago, maybe like 10 years ago or something like that. I worked with Python and I used a bunch of open source software to, to predict a landslide modeling, which is kind of crazy. Oh my
1: gosh.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's not what I expected, but I helped out a physicist uh, in a university kind of build this model, which he had an idea to, but the funny thing is that they use that software in, in Nepal. Uh, during the earthquake. So which was mad and they helped the software helped save people and in, in, in the rescue wow. effort. Which was mad. Like I was really humbled by that story myself. Like it's like, wow, this is possible today, mainly because of the adoption. So the more abstract a programming language is, the more easy for anyone in the world to come and code it. Mm-hmm. And not only just they can come and code it, they also can create open source software that makes the world of programming, beautiful, like so. You can pick and choose whatever you want, you know, and and that's that's revolutionary. And can you believe that it started from Fortran? So that's right. you know, a guy in IBM wanted to make a way to easily write assembly code, kind of turned into like today's like foundation of how we write software and, right. and it's only going to get better and better. One day you will, you'll sit in your computer and just type a bunch of things and, and it'll understand your spelling mistakes and everything and put it, put it into code. It's, it'll be the future. I, I assume like, but I don't know how far that'll be, but.
1: I would say a few months. When we, <laughs> I mean, you think about like copilot, right? Think about oh, like yeah. all of, all of the, especially over the last few months, kind of AI. Um, components to coding that have been introduced it's i think within this year <laughs> for sure
0: i love Copilot. the fact that i just write first one set, one letter or two letters of my my program it kind of fills the gap which makes right. no sense because it it has all the context it's needed to kind of continue your work right. so it's pretty it's pretty crazy um i'm pretty impressed
1: yeah and you know that speaks to you talked about natural language kind of broadening access to yeah. to programming but it also deepens it right like it allows for much more computationally complex programs to run yeah and that's that's the foundation of of where we are today as it relates to ai and ml
0: even if you think about the logic that goes into creating a complicated algorithm um, there is a, always a better way or a lean way to do something. Not necessarily everybody's going to touch upon it, but when you have that natural languaging and there is a, tr- like a like a like translator in the in the middle to kind of intercept that natural language code into real mission code. That's why it's called formula translator. It translates the formula, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like a natural translator. So and that is reduces everybody. I mean, like it, it maybe like put it this way: like everybody's going to be very efficient writing regular natural language code into mission code so you're always going to get an efficient product at the end of the day it's crazy
1: well you've convinced me that the first language i'm going to learn will be fortran <laughs> I'm, I'm not a scientist it's probably going to do nothing for me uh cut usage wise but yeah it's, it feels like a historic thing, that I just need to know. So
0: Yeah, it's it's so funny. The extension for writing Fortran is .f files. Like <laughs> C++ is .cc++, you know, or CPP. Yeah. It's .f.
1: Perfect. My first initial.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's made for
1: me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Girish, this has been so fun and educational. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate you essentially being an encyclopedia on computational <laughs> history. Um, What an asset and I'm also just stoked that your car is in a good place now to be on the road. So so good day all around.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm I'm glad everything is better. And we are talking about (laughs) free. Yeah.
1: You're like, I'm in my happy place talking about computers.
0: (laughs) Let's talk about computers. We'll be fine until I geek out and like start writing code and showing you demos.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Next time. Next time. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast powered by Gun.io. We drop two episodes per week. So if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and come hang out with us again next week and bring all your internet friends. If you have questions or recommendations, just shoot us a Twitter DM at the Frontier Pod and we'll see you next week.